Hey there, Return Homies. Jeff Heimbach here. Just wanted to butt in really quick with a quick announcement. We're still looking for a new studio space. We're almost closing the deal on one, so hopefully we'll have new episodes out to you soon. But we wanted to release this new interlude so, you know, you didn't miss us too much. But also, wanted to talk again really quickly about the Midsummer Scream immersive experience that Return Home is going to be doing. Uh, we're calling it Return Home, The Rise of Billeth. Uh, you can buy your tickets today at midsummerscream.org. And if you use the coupon code RETURN, you're going to get 30% off your general admission tickets. Now, this immersive experience is going to run the entire weekend. So if you're in the Southern California area, specifically uh, the Long Beach area at the Long Beach Convention Center on July 29th and 30th, you can come at any point during the convention and you can start this journey by going to the Order of Billeth booth that's going to be on the show floor. And it'll be like probably about an hour or so experience. So we're really, really excited about it. For fans of the show, it's going to be really cool because if you're going to do the experience, you may actually be able to go through the experience with one of the characters from the show. Um, I can't say much more about it, but we're going to have a couple of surprises for like fans of the show that are going to go through it. And maybe you get to hang out with, I don't know, Buddy or Zane for, you know, maybe the 45 minutes you go through it. Anyway, please, please, please come see us. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, even if you can't make it out there, we are running this big immersive experience in the weeks leading up to it. We're in the middle of it right now. We actually have an event that's going on um, at the end of this week that if you're in the Southern California area, area um, it actually already quote unquote sold out all the slots were taken but no matter where you are in the world you can still actually participate in this event so orderabilleth.com sign up for the mailing list we're going to send out more information shortly about how to do the at home version of these experiments that are going to be taking place but it's a lot of fun and we've been really really excited about it but again please come see us at Midsummer Scream it's July 29th and 30th in the lovely Long Beach uh, Convention Center in Long Beach, California. You can come all weekend long, and if you want to get 30% off your general admission tickets, be sure to use the coupon code RETURN when you check out, and hopefully we'll see you there. Now it's time for an interlude. My fiancé is dying. It's cancer. The doctors told us a few months ago. A very aggressive one, one that was detected a little too late to really fight the way we wanted to, but too early in life to do all the things we had planned together. It was a few days after Katie's 29th birthday, and that is when she noticed the lump. You know, we blew it off thinking it was nothing, no reason to really panic and she scheduled an appointment for the next week just to be safe. Within days of her initial visit, we were seeing specialists, surgeons, doctors, and more. The prognosis wasn't good. It was breast cancer. No one could figure out why it had moved so quickly and why it was undetected for so long. But I guess in a case like this, it is what it is. Chemo was presented as an option, but no one seemed hopeful for its success. And despite its cost, its toll that it takes on the body, we opted to try anyway, but they were right. It didn't help. 
Instead, it actually made things worse. She was constantly sick from it, even days after the fact. And it got to the point where she wouldn't even get out of bed, save for the bathroom and her appointments. Her beautiful golden hair began to fall out. Creases began to form on her face, and she walked slower. She talked less. She was hating what she was becoming. I loved her just the same and would stand by her side no matter what. Every day when she woke up and every evening before bed, I kiss her on the cheek. You're my sunshine, pretty girl. I love you. Those are the only times I ever saw her smile anymore. It wasn't long before her body began to fail, before the cancer continued to eat its way through her system. She stopped being able to do normal things on her own because she was just too weak or it caused too much pain. So she withdrew into herself further. That light, ah, oh, that light within her slowly diminished. God, it pained me to see that. But I did whatever I could and soon the doctors told me it was time to start preparing for the end. So a few days ago we checked her into a hospice now, I don't want to say that these places are depressing because the people here have been wonderful and they do fantastic work with those who need it. But man, this place is depressing. It carries a feeling of foreboding with it, a sense of dread of the end. I stayed with her every day, every single day and every single night. Every waking moment I didn't have to be away from her, I wasn't. I love her. Our time together may be short, may be filled with sadness, but I wouldn't miss any of it. It got to the point that her nutritional intake was heavily monitored. She had very strict rules for her diet. She was not allowed any water because now her body was so weak it would actually drown her. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Your body turning against you so much that a single refreshing drop of water would cause you to suffocate if it did happen, it would be quick, they claimed. It would be over before she would even know what was happening. And to prevent that, though, they gave her something else to keep her hydrated. While it worked, I looked it up on the internet, and it was described as being like a slug, slowly making its way through the body. I just couldn't bear the thought. But I had no choice. I had to live with it, as did she. So late last night, I awoke to a cry of pain. My eyes shot open, thinking Katie needed me, but for once she was, she was so blissful in her sleep. It must have been one of the other patients in another room, and I was sure the staff would be along shortly to attend to it, but they didn't. And as soon as eyes closed, as sleep began to take hold of me, I heard it again, louder this time, as if whoever was making these sounds was struggling. In my curiosity, it did get the better of me, and I went to go see. At the very least, I could alert the nurse on duty and let them know, in case they didn't hear. And as soon as I left her room, I walked into the hallway. Something felt... off. And while I'm not usually a superstitious person at all, I felt something in the back of my mind, and I just... I couldn't shake it. The lighting while usually on full force, even during the middle of the night, somehow seemed dim. And I could still see down the lightly carpeted hallway, but it looked 
It looked wrong to me in some ways. I heard the pain noise again, and I took a few steps in the direction it came from. A door slightly ajar was just a few rooms down from where I was standing, so I made for it. But I stopped when the door opened all the way. And I waited. I expected a nurse to step out. But instead, I was surprised when it was something else entirely. The lights overhead dimmed even further, and I took a step back. I was in disbelief. I'm not even sure how to describe this adequately. It had the shape of a man, but was more animalistic. It crouched over its darkened form just a slightly murkier shade than the rest of the hallway, and it stood smaller than the average man, but taller than a child. It didn't waste any time in looking in my direction. Instead, it just took off toward the other end of the hallway, disappearing without a sound around the bend. And as soon as it was out of my sight, the lights returned to normal, and I realized I was holding my breath the whole time. The whole incident, I don't know, couldn't have lasted more than a few moments, but in my head, God, it was an eternity. I was still too stunned by what I had seen to speak. So instead, I made my way back to Katie's room. I sat back down in the chair by her bedside, and, and I drifted back off to sleep. By the time morning came, I had all but convinced myself that it was a lucid dream. Just the stress of the last few weeks had obviously taken its toll on me, and I, I couldn't handle it as well as I thought. It had all manifested itself in my mind as an extremely disturbing dream and nothing more. But when I left the room to retrieve the day's newspaper, I saw the commotion coming out of the room where I just spotted the creature. Orderlies were wheeling the bed out, a bed sheet placed over the occupant's face. What happened, I asked as they passed by me. The time was up, one of them replied. I went back to the room, I was dazed. What had happened last night? What did I actually see? What, what was that thing? And then Katie made a noise then, and I noticed her eyes on me. She was no longer able to speak coherently, whether because of the cancer or the drugs, I, I don't know. But her eyes showed concern, and I went to her side, really reassuring her that everything was fine, and I kissed her cheek, and I smiled. You're my sunshine, pretty girl. I love you. The day went on, and as it did, I forgot about the previous night's encounter. Instead, I just spent time with the woman I loved, and since it was a weekend, I didn't have to go to work, so I had more time than usual to do just that. The pain was getting worse in her, I could tell. Her eyes gave it away. I knew our time was growing shorter by the second, but I didn't let that on to her and continued to show her my love in the only ways that I could. However, by nightfall, when Katie was long asleep for the evening, and I was settled in myself, the images of last night creep back into my head again, and I just pushed them out as best I could, and I drifted off again. But I awoke again in the middle of the night to a cry. But this time it was closer, not from another room, but right in front of me. It was Katie. At first it was too dark to see. The lights dimmed much like last night. I mistook the cause of the cry. I began to get up to tell the nurse that she needed more medication. But then when my eyes adjusted to the blackness, I saw it. 
That same creature, the one from the night before, was crouched over her. It sat on her chest, bending and close to her face, its mouth emitting a low but ungodly sound. A strange, slight mist rose from Katie's nostrils into this thing's waiting open mouth. And Katie's eyes looked to me, silently crying for help. The pain behind them was too much for her to bear, and her body in this weakened state was unable to fight back, just unable to push this this monster, this thing off of her. I lashed out without hesitation and I hit that creature with the palms of my hands and it, it made a small shriek and fell off of Katie onto the floor. I heard it scurry away and I looked to the door. It stood there in the door frame for a split second and it stared at me, its empty eyes deep down in my soul before it dashed into the hall into the night. I tended to Katie immediately to make sure she was all right. She wasn't. The pain, whether from the cancer or the creature, was too much. She was near the end. The stench of death was just filling the room. I could smell it. I looked into her eyes, the eyes I fell in love with, and I knew that regardless of the creature's appearance, this was going to be Katie's last night anyway. A thought struck me then. This thing, this abomination that was here just moments ago, it was feeding off my Katie. It preyed on the weak, those so close to death that they could reach out and touch it, and it takes them away. And when it was through feeding and feasting, pulling their life force from the poor defenseless bodies, they would pass and be considered another victim of whatever illness consumed their bodies. In any other aspect, I would have understood. It could even have been seen as a mercy killing in some ways, taking them before their disease did, but I saw Katie's eyes while it was on her. I knew that it wasn't a painless death, and it racked their body with pain, with hurt, with sorrow, and it floods them with more disease as it feeds. I couldn't let it take her. I couldn't let that be the end. If anyone was going to ease her pain... To end her suffering, it was going to be me. And I thought back to the water, how a single drop could end it all. Mercy is how you know you love someone. That you are willing to take them out of their suffering, out of their deepest, darkest moments, and do something you never thought you were capable of, so they no longer have to suffer. I went to the nurse's station to retrieve a plastic cup and I filled it from the jug nearby. The nurse paid me no mind. The families and close friends of dying loved ones, a familiar sight to them now. As I passed the kitchenette on the way back of Katie's room, I grabbed a straw. It sounds so ridiculous, doesn't it? That the instruments of her end were to be a glass of water and a bendy straw. I sat by her side again, my sobs competing with her subdued cries of pain. I knew she didn't want this any longer. I knew it was going to be over soon anyway. But her eyes told me she wanted to be on her terms. And she didn't want death to come at the hands of her cancer or some creature that feed off the weak and defenseless. I knew that if I didn't do this, that thing would be back. 
It would come back and it would finish what it started and take her away. And she would die in pain, scared, and with that thing's black eyes burning into her the last thing she'd ever see. But if I did this, if I ended her life, God, was I no different than that creature that came before? Was I then the monster? Katie did something right then that she hadn't done in a very, very long time. She grabbed my hand. And my eyes met hers. And I knew that this was what she wanted for her. And for me. For both of us. I put the straw in the cup. And I brought it to her lips. And she took a sip. As I kissed her cheek. And I said to her. You're my sunshine, pretty girl. I love you. Return Home, Interlude, Sunshine. It was written by Jeff Heimbuck. It featured the vocal talent of Kevin Interdonato. The original musical score was by Corey Celeste. You can find out more about the show by visiting our website at returnhomepodcast.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash returnhomepodcast, on Twitter at returnhomeshow, and on Tumblr at returnhomepodcast. If you've enjoyed the show, please consider supporting us by leaving a review on iTunes or contributing to our Patreon at patreon.com slash returnhomepodcast. Questions? Comments? Never want to go to a hospice again? Send us an email at returnhomepodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, pleasant dreams. <laughs>